All right, here we go. Officially, this is episode 138, No Laugh Track Podcast. Uh, thank you to Circle of Heat for letting us play their music there at the beginning, as always. Uh, in fact, Derek, just before we started recording, producer Derek was mentioning he was went and saw Circle of Heat, I think, just play. So uh, check them out uh, online, Circle of Heat. And uh, if you haven't yet, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. would really appreciate that. Back for a third time. Third time. Time. That is right. It is David Crow. Is this my third appearance? Uh huh. What's it called? Don't be funny. The podcast. <laughs> no, no. Oh, no. Laugh it used track. to be. Right. But actually, people uh, end up being funny. No, so. no laugh track. No laugh track. Uh, wow, that's great. Yeah. Well, th- this is, uh, I think, probably my favorite. Uh, I won't saddle you with being my favorite individual podcast, <laughs> but I just because I don't want you to be nervous. <laughs> but uh, this is the, my, I think, my favorite format because it really truly feels like there's no consequence to what happens here for the next hour. Yeah, yeah. And which means that you always get the best stuff. Yeah, I think that's right. Right. I'm going with it. If you truly want to have a, a, a creative, expressive environment, there can be no consequence to the result. So. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I'm going to... I, I, oh, I wish I had my. I don't have my pen oh, out. I just, just did. We just mess this up. No, Damn not it. not at all. No, I just <laughs> things come to me, and then you know, short term memory loss. Mm-hmm. I end up forgetting, and I just something just popped into my head that I want to bring up to you. But I, I, no I think worries. I, I think I'll remember. Good. If not, maybe what it just it? wasn't that important. Uh, no, I want to talk about you first okay. before I tell you this story and get your opinion on something. But uh, so today's Thursday. Normally we record Wednesday. I guess we're a day later today uh, this week. But is that because I wasn't here yesterday? Uh, where were you? were you not here? I was I was supposed to fly in Monday night. I got bumped to Tuesday, and then it got bumped to Tuesday night. So I flew. I got here Wednesday morning at twelve a.m. Oh, like bright and early, first thing in the morning. Oh, were you sleeping all day yesterday then? Uh, no, 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 no. I think there was something going on at the club, so okay. we we pushed it a day back. I've known that for weeks, but uh, so you did you did the show last night, obviously. Yeah. How'd that go? Really happy with it. I had a whole list of uh, some new th- ideas I've been chewing on. Uh, I was. I've been working a couple of cruise ships recently, so it's not really a good environment to uh, <laughs> do a lot of dip- material. Yeah, yeah. Sort of a more of a home run derby with the rated G stuff is what I call it. <laughs> so uh, this is some other ideas I've been chewing on and uh, got to launch them on the Acme stage last night. So uh, I was pretty happy with that experience in general. I'll say. Are you? Uh, are you doing the uh, like the clean show and the dirty show? Is that still the process on cruises? Not for everybody. If you can do it, uh, I do a forty-five minute clean show. Yeah, uh, I do two of those, a seven and a nine, in the big theater. So seats about eight hundred people, and then uh, two a day or so later, I'll do the eleven o'clock. An uncensored show. Uncensored show. Yeah, and and that's just a, a nice way. You don't have to be dirty, but it's a nice way for the cruise line to uh, be able to tell people who might complain about a bit that, well, it's fine if you don't like it. You, yeah. you can leave, but uh, 400 other people do like that, so that's why we have this show. It's for them. Ah. What's your preference? Right, so, uh, do you have a preference? No, I like them both. The, the, the clean is really challenging. Because, uh, yeah, you just got to play within the rules, and it's and it's. It, Have you ever slipped up and then apologized? No, afterwards? no, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> it, but and then the then the uncensored show is just more like a club set. Yeah, yeah. Do you, Mike Lucas was here a couple of weeks ago, and he's been working some cruise ships recently. In fact, he was kind of announcing his retirement from cruise ships. Didn't want to do them anymore, and uh, but he told me that he gets drug tested. There are different levels of uh, working, different uh, level, uh, different posit- posts that you can take. I don't want to say levels, but different kinds of jobs you can have as a comic on a ship. Now, I have not worked cruise ships until this summer, two thousand fourteen. So okay. it's kind of a new thing for me. Yeah, but I I happen to be brought on the on board as a guest entertainer, so I'm a, I'm a passenger. Oh, who does a show, and but I have full passenger status, and it's probably. That sounds different than what he was doing. It's the best thing I think you can do on a cruise ship. Sometimes they'll have you work in a comedy club on board where you're an employee of the cruise line and you're there doing shows. You know, his complaint was – okay, his complaint was that they were asking him uh, now to uh, – as time has gone on, they ask him to do more things that aren't the job of a comic. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's the job of your agent to say no. Yeah. Not it's not the, your job as the comic. It's say, well, you know what? Let's work that out between the agent and the company, and we'll see what happens. So it sounds like you liked it. I like. I, I mean, you know, you do one every two months. Go out there for five days. They pay for your travel. Yeah. I got off the boat in St. Martin. I mean, what's not to like? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I was looking back at some of your uh, social media postings, and here's, uh, okay, so it's February, what is it, 20-somethings, whatever yeah. it is today. Uh, the high today in Minneapolis is going to be 11. Yep. We may have already hit that overnight. I'm not sure, because it doesn't feel like 11 right now. Not with the wind chill. St. Martin, you know what the temperature is there today? I'm guessing 82. You I, can you see my sheet from no. here because it's eighty two. Oh. <laughs> well, that's what it felt like. Is it eighty two? Is it just eighty two every day? Seventy eight is sort of what's comfortable for me. Eighty two is oh, it's a little hot, but uh, this is good. Yeah, right. Anything north of ninety, I've, I've, I'm inside. Does your fair skin uh, fare well in the in the Caribbean? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't spend a lot of time just baking in the sun. I'm not one of those people. No, put on the lotion. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I, I worked on, as a shore excursion manager, which is the guy in charge of the tour department yeah. on board the ship. Yeah. First job out of college when I was 23. Oh, really? And I uh, just happened to stumble into that position. Princess Cruises was hiring, and I had done bus tours in the summer. Always liked the love boat. Yeah, and they, <laughs> they were expanding, and so I, I got placed as Shorex is the short term for it. Shorex, so we did uh, a winter in the Caribbean, went across the ocean, did uh, the Mediterranean in the spring, then went uh, around the British Isles, did the Baltic all summer, went into Moscow. I took a group into Moscow every time we were in port, which is about once every two weeks. Yeah. And uh, from St. Petersburg, Leningrad at that time. Uh Uh-huh. Was in Moscow when it changed from Soviet Union to uh, Russia. No kidding. Yeah, remember? I don't know if you remember when uh, Mm -hmm. they, they... they abducted, what's his name, Gorbachev. Yeah, yeah. And Yeltsin stood in, on that pile of rubble in front of the White House, their version of their right, Russian right. parliament. The, was it the Kremlin or whatever well, it is? Well, the Kremlin is where the Soviet Union was housed, but the Russian, because remember, the Soviet Union was a union of states. Yes. So Russia proper had its own parliament called the White House, which just looks like a big white fancy <laughs> office building. <laughs> okay. So y- Yeltsin was a Russian parliament member. He was not a member of the Kremlin, of the Soviet. Okay. So he took over as the new president of Russia. Anyway, I happened to be there. So, uh, and then uh, came across, did New York to Montreal in the fall. And they did that for about a year and a half, that whole circuit, and then uh, quit and got into comedy. Did you get to do so? So, if you were, you know, sending people out on these excursions, did you get to experience all of them then too? Some of them, uh, a lot of it's office work and just making sure people go and return on time. But uh, I took the group to Moscow every every year, yeah, or every trip, and uh, uh, it was a very lawless time in the Soviet Union. Not so much when it was Soviet Union, but I was there for two summers, and the next summer it was Russia, mm-hmm. and it was there's this little window of lawlessness where the people were not fearing the system and the system hadn't put itself back together under another name yet. Yeah, I get that. So, for example, the what's their, their equivalent of the CIA building, which was, what's the old? Uh, KBG, KGB. Yeah, KGB, yes, of course. Uh, CNN went through the KGB building with a camera and some Yahoo... Soviet ex-Soviet security guard just saying, yeah, come this way, look at this. You know, because to them, KGB no longer existed. Right. Well, it didn't exist in name, but the infrastructure was still there. It just hadn't re-established. Like, the whole power structure of the Soviet Union reminded me of the uh, the thing from Terminator, that that silvery, mercury-looking right, right. character mm-hmm. that when you when you blast something at it, it, it falls apart. Yeah, and then it's, it's, yeah, back and together. Then back together. Yeah. It's just a different name. <laughs> uh, so, so I happened to be there while it was going... <laughs> and it was a bizarre time because uh, the dollar was king. I think the I think the ruble people earned about I don't know why I'm fussing about details, but it was something like thirty, th- three hundred rubles a month, 
and the dollar was worth 30 rubles. So 10 bucks was a month's wages. Oh, my God. Equivalent. Right. So I was a billionaire. Yeah. For, for a window of You time. were Russia rich. So you could do things. For example, uh, me and my buddy Eric, uh, who worked on the ship, he was the audio engineer, uh, who now is a sound man in L.A. It's, it's a great success story. That does the Grammys and the Oscars. Wow. <laughs> but uh, we were taking a hydrofoil. Do you know what that is? It's a boat that rides on skegs. And so when it gets up to speed, it goes about 60 miles an hour, gets up to speed, and it's actually not using the hull of the boat to touch the water. It's using these little underwater fins that are okay. shaped like a T, and it rises the whole thing oh, above yeah. the water. So you're... Your, your contact with the water is very uh, minimal. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they had those zipping across the Gulf of Finland from uh, uh, St. Uh, Peter the Great's summer or winter palace, uh, which is called the Hermitage, all the way across the bay to his summer palace. <laughs> and and it was just a commuter thing. You'd start in the heart of Leningrad and take this little zippy boat for about an hour all the way across the Gulf. And uh, so Eric and I are on this thing. And uh, I said, uh, knowing the culture and the climate at the time, I said, uh, let's see how much it'll cost to drive this sucker. And so we go up to the cockpit where the guy's driving, and uh, we're American, and we can't really speak to him. But we said, uh, you know, can we come up there? You know, and we hand him five bucks each. And he's, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And he invites us up and then he puts his hat on us, puts us in the driver's seat and we're driving a fully loaded hydrofoil across the Gulf of Finland. He's making us turn it sharp. Right. Wow. I know. It's full of of Russians (laughs) who are commuting. (laughs) If you you only knew what was going through their minds at the time. I know. So it was like, I, I paid 20 bucks to sit in the cockpit of a, of a, uh, Tupolev 134, which is the Russian equivalent of a 737 during takeoff and landing. Wow. I just wanted to, can I sit up here? Yeah. Sure. (laughs) Too bad you could have just stopped what you were doing and do that for a year. So you you can get away with being Russia rich. I know. Well, I was too young to realize, wow, this little role I'm playing isn't going to be permanent. Yeah, right. (laughs) I just thought, this is it. Dollar will always be king. (laughs) <laughs> but it was it was fun and that was all sort of before i started doing stand-up so it was this it was more about first time out of the house sure career mm-hmm. and it took me all over the world fell in love with well every week <laughs> walked walked through red square holding hands with a girl named natasha which had always been a a random dream of mine sure growing up that uh oh, if i ever make it to Soviet Union. Uh-huh. I meet a Natasha. <laughs> Find my own Natasha. And walk through Red Square whispering, so we're not overheard by yeah. KGB. Fell in love. That Russian accent, you know, uh, like with the when you know speaking English with the Russian accent. Yes. Oh, oof. Yes. It is. It is forceful. It is forceful. Sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. You'll sit down. Take out. <laughs> yeah. Take out my moan bone. <laughs> <laughs> Fell in love with a British dancer named Vanessa Perry. Oh, and this is this is a, this was a surprise ending. Uh, Vanessa Perry was uh, just oh, unbelievably beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay, and my my I, my roots are English, so I've always been a sucker for the English accent. Okay, so I've got this girl with gorgeous, sparkling auburn hair, just incredible dancer body, and just the sweetest person. I've ever met in my life at the time and uh, we fall in love on the ship and she invites me back to England to stay with her for a little while while we have time off and I go for two weeks and just meet her family and make out like gangbusters sure. there and we take a little tour through the English countryside it's just it's perfect yeah. well, then I went home we got put on separate ships and we sort of never really saw each other again and that's just how it works in the travel businesses you just get pulled away from your from each other from your obligations or yeah. by your obligations so anyway cruise ship life over i get into comedy my biggest comedy influences at least growing up john cleese and steve martin love those two guys maybe laugh all the time so last summer i'm back on the cruise ships and I'm thinking about all these people I knew 20-some years ago when I was just a kid out at sea. Because uh-huh. I haven't been on a ship since. Okay. It's a 22-year gap. Yeah. 
and so on. But now you can find people. So I go back home after my first cruise, and I'm Googling and Facebooking to see who I find a couple of cruise directors and this guy and that. And I think I, I Facebook Vanessa Perry. Well, she's not on Facebook. So I Google Vanessa Perry, UK dancer. Up, up pops a picture of Vanessa Perry. Yeah. A little bit older, but I still recognize her. Uh-huh. Sitting in Switzerland, having lunch with John Cleese. Get out of here. Yeah. Do you know, I mean, normally, do you know how pissed off I was? Because <laughs> normally you're supposed to, when you Google an ex, you're supposed to be jealous that you're not with her. Yeah. But I was jealous that she was with, was with why, why does she get to be with him? Yeah, that she doesn't me. understand John Cleese. <laughs> this is bullshit. That's my dream. I know. What the? <laughs> <laughs> Turns out after she dated me, she hooked up with a much older man named Michael Winner who directed all of the Charles Bronson movies in the 70s. Whoa. And uh, has become quite a famous curmudgeon, kind of a Andy Rooney type okay. in, in London. Writes for the London Times, has a spot on TV and all this does restaurant reviews. Anyway, long story short, lives in a house next to Jimmy Page in Kensington. So it's a little bit of a mansion. Apparently. Yeah. So she was with him for 10 years, living the high life. And uh, so that's my ex. My ex, after me, traded up for a mansion in Kensington, <laughs> having lunch with my comic hero. Unbelievable. Fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> I, should, I, I wish I had I just got a new phone so the picture's not on there but I, I will have to show I'll send it to you okay it is uh, I, you, point of that story you whenever you Google an ex you get you deserve whatever you get mm-hmm. I don't think I've done that in a really long time thankfully but I didn't know it was going to be so painful as that uh, how could how just, could you possibly I know <laughs> No, I, uh, John Cleese's name came up this morning when you were doing yeah, some radio with were, us. It, it's a funny studio because you can't see what people are doing, and I thought they were being quiet to give me a chance to talk or wanted me to talk, and uh, I think they were all on their computers Googling crazy Lenny Schultz, so that's oh. why it was quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you'll notice my Facebook picture is John Cleese's book, right? Oh, yeah, he's that's there. right. Yeah. 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 So he's on a book tour, and I went to see him talk, and he was just fantastic. 75 years old, just hilarious, articulate. I love that old, traditional British education, uh, the way that sounds, uh, the way they speak, the way they, may, are, the way they express just simple points in daily conversation. The scent, you don't hear that much anymore, and certainly I can't replicate it, but, <laughs> but they're, they're, watching him talk for two hours every sentence was sort of it was like a tumbling run in gymnastics of <laughs> of syllables and punctuations yeah. and 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 then you want it's very it's overly complicated and twisted but but you can follow along yeah. and then they just when you think that uh, he's not going to find an ending boom he sticks the dismount yeah and it's hilarious and poignant and original and you know i just i just worship that 75 he said Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I know. Did you read his book? I assume you've read the book. I have not had a chance to read oh. it yet. I've been saving it. Okay. So uh, when I when I get out on on the next cruise, I'll probably crack it up. And I'm trying to finish another one. Now I don't know really what his book is. I don't have any idea what the book is it's about. About his career. You don't it know is. much okay. about his career. What? Uh, uh, well, no, I do know recently uh, that he went, he is very bitter towards his ex wife. Well, she sued him and won a twenty million dollars, <laughs> which is why he wrote the book to try to make some of that back. I know. Oh my God. She's American, and they got married in America, and he had no idea that California would take half of what he's made in history and give it to her if they ever split up. So, yeah. Otherwise, he probably never would have got married. I'm putting words in his mouth, obviously, but that's what it st- that, seemed to be. Yeah, that seems like a safe uh, there guess. Is, there's a unique that, – that generation of not just comedian but person is, is – not just unique, but I think something that is that is lost, and when it will ever return, I'm not sure if ever. But the Monty Python guys, and namely John Cleese, uh, were uh, raised in went to private school mm-hmm. in England and got that traditional Victorian classics education. 
But the reason I say it's unique is because they were the last generation to go through that without any real interference or influence by a mass media. Mm. So when that generation is at their private school and they're reading Chaucer and Shakespeare and doing their Latin grammar and all this nonsense, they're, they're not listening to constant pop music on their radios and constant, <laughs> you know, caterwauling on uh, uh, blogs and, and podcasts and, and sports ESPN Sports Center and all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So the only language they're actually hearing every day is that formal, proper, almost 19th century mm -hmm. manner of speaking. Because yeah. that's what you got in schools back then. It was very stuffy. So the, that's the foundation of the Monty Python's comedy is coming out of that language. Now, you can't fake that language any more than you can fake complicated math. Right? <laughs> so someone like me who grew up where I'm learning soundbite media and it's just influencing how I communicate is, it, it, you know, I tend to think I, we, we mimic uh, our communication is, is really mimicry uh, of the communication around us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So we can't help it. And we're just talking in these little bites. Yeah. And, uh, and it's when I got to listen to Cleese speak for two hours, it was so obvious that he, he thinks in essays. Wow. Yeah. And it's almost like the essay is written instantly in his mind and he's just sort of bouncing his way through it. And, uh, and it was, I find so much pleasure in hearing that. Yeah. And, uh, and jealousy. I wish I could speak that way, but I don't. Did you? And I don't think anybody really will because our media doesn't speak that way either. <laughs> no. <laughs> and and the, the extreme example is the Lincoln-Douglas debates when, uh, when one guy spoke for an hour, the other guy spoke for an hour and a half, and then there was a half-hour rebuttal, and it was all just this spontaneous or uh, flowery prose, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> It's it's lost. It now, is lost. The, uh, the you know the generations now will be speaking much like uh, texts. So yeah, I, like, I know. <laughs> things are only going to get worse. So I, I, I know I sound like an old fart, just in in sort of longing for for that. But I think there's a. I, I'm not saying it should come back, but it's it, it's just something that I uh, I really admire. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. That's a good thing. I think so. There's another thing I, I want to bring up that I saw um, is a picture that Kermit Apio posted. Apio. Apio. Did I say Apio? Apio. said Apio. But yes, you know what? It's his fault because he uh, is constantly posting on Facebook about how much he loves pies. <laughs> so I, I think he should probably change the pronunciation. You're right. Kermit Apio. A-P-I-E-O. <laughs> uh, E-I-E-I-O. There was a picture with you and Frank Caliendo, Louis Black, right. and, uh, from a performance back in 2001. It was the Acme 10-year anniversary. Oh, is that what it was? And what it was was uh, uh, Louis had planned a, an Acme gala at the State Theater. And the lineup was Frank Caliendo, uh, Louis Black headlining, uh... Frank Caliendo, uh, Wanda Sykes, and then hosting was Tim Slagel. That was the lineup. Okay. And uh, Kermit and I decided, because uh, we love this club, and we had been there for just about all the 10 years so the, uh, of the recent incarnation of it. So mm -hmm. we, um, we said, well, we're not going to miss that. It's Sunday night. I think he had it on Sunday. And, uh, yeah, we're there. So we flew ourselves out here and put ourselves up. And we told Lewis, we're coming out. We're not. He goes, oh, wait, you're not on the show. I, you know, I mean, we'd love to have you. He goes, we don't, we're not missing this, Lewis. We're going to be there. And for, it was kind of a big deal for us at the time because we're not rich comedians or anything. Yeah. So we're going to fly all the way yeah, out. Put your own money in. Sure. Up, uh -huh. And we just really wanted to not just be here for the fun, but share the celebration sure. with the club. Yeah. And uh, so we're all set, locked and loaded. We're coming out. A week before the show, uh, uh, Lewis calls up and says, uh, uh, Wanda Sykes canceled because she had something come up in L.A., quote, supposedly. Fuck her. 
you and Kermit are taking her place. <laughs> and I'm paying you. Oh, you don't have to pay us, Lewis. Fuck you. I'm paying you. Wow. <laughs> so. It worked out great, apparently. Yeah, we worked out fantastic. So uh, we were delighted. So we got to. Our expenses covered. We got to share the experience, and we got to share the stage with that incredible lineup. Yeah. It was, oh, it's pretty cool. I had when I brought that up, I had no idea that that was the. That's where that photo took place. Yeah. I was just going to bring it up because of all the good, you know, all the great names in there. That's, yeah. That's really cool. Well, it's pretty interesting. At the at the time, Caliendo was not. He was still working comedy clubs, and I don't think he had done his NFL stuff quite yet. He he was big in radio, but I don't think he had he wasn't on the NFL. Not in two thousand one. Yeah. Mm-mm. And. Um, and, uh, of course, Lewis Black was had his Comedy Central bit. So he was kind of the, the big sure. star. Yeah. I'm not sure what Wanda... I think Wanda Sykes had some one of her first opportunities in Hollywood. And who knows what it was. But it was something that she she realized, oh, my God, this is a, the first break. Oh, okay. I'm doing this. Yeah. Crazy. So. Crazy. Yeah. I know great. she popped in here, uh, I was told, about a year or so ago. Maybe two years. She yeah. Was in, she was doing a, like a... One of those uh, casino shows, oh, and then cool. popped in here. Well, now I see the connection. Yeah. Well, she had worked here, right, a number of times. I think. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. I had a good set that night too. I mean, I was really. I thought something might come of it. I was that that good. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who should we blame? How about me? Okay. That's fine. Uh, I want to talk to you about. You still live? Where are you living now? Are you still living in Seattle? Seattle you are Seattle, okay. okay. Now family's there. Daughter's there. Now a year ago, we talked right around this time. You were in town in February, and it was about two weeks after the Super Bowl, and you were very happy because you were told the story about hosting a party. Your team had just won the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah. Oh, won, clobbered, crushed, demolished. Yes. And I was hurt still because the Broncos are one of my favorite teams. Right. Okay, now it's 2015, and we're also post-Super Bowl. Yep. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Well, I have, I have thought about this uh, a little bit as I lay wide awake, head on a pillow at night, <laughs> wishing things were different. Uh-huh. What do you want to know? Did you host a party again this no, year? No, no, no. No. I, uh, I actually saw the Super Bowl on a uh, an airplane going from uh, Miami uh, to Seattle, or actually Atlanta to Seattle. But it was a new plane. It had a TV in the seat in front of me. Were you worried, and, uh, or did you know that that was going to? I was hoping to go stand by earlier and get back to Seattle right at game time, and didn't happen. So, so I just uh, watched the plane, watched the bowl, game on a plane. Having a nice dinner, <laughs> not the party of one on a yeah. plane. Okay, what are you, what are you asking? What am I? Here's first of all, you can argue uh, tactically whether they should have handed the ball to Marshawn Lynch or thrown a slant, and there's all that. And you see pictures of right before Russell Wilson throws the ball, Lockett looks wide open, mm-hmm. right? You can also see the play right before that where Marshawn Lynch runs the ball for four yards quite easily and there's 20 seconds left and there's tactically what's the best thing to do as far as number of plays and all that. Here's what I found the most difficult to swallow about how the Super Bowl ended, mm-hmm. which I'm assuming people know <laughs> that it ended with Seattle on the one-yard line throwing an interception. Yeah, A quick slant to a junior receiver. So here's what I think is really aggravating about that is sports is entertainment. Sports is live action drama. You're supposed to acknowledge and honor and embrace the rules of theater in sports, especially at that level. Okay. Okay. We have, a, and this is why it was so frustrating to lose this way. We are the Seattle Seahawks. We have the Legion of Boom. We have a guy in the backfield named Beast Mode. We yeah. are a run first team. We are a team that presents itself as being tougher than the other team, or at least willing 
to stand toe-to-toe and see if you can handle us, and we are pretty sure we're going to push you off your mark, yeah. right? This is our attitude. This is who we are. Yeah. Beast mode. Fucking okay. beast mode, man. We have beast mode. Yeah. To get down to the one with 20 seconds left or 26 seconds, whatever it was, and throw a quick slant, it's like ending... You know, you, you end a Bruce Willis movie with yippee motherfucker. <laughs> you don't end it with, all right, he's on the plane. We should call the authorities and read them their Miranda rights. It's just, <laughs> you, you've got to finish the story. You're right. The story <laughs> is beast mode on the one. And every single Seahawk could have lived with beast mode getting stopped on the one two or three times. Right. We would have gone, <laughs> wow. What a goal line stand. They beat us. Yeah. But to throw a quick slant, it's the equivalent of the Broncos being on the one and doing a bootleg corner run with Peyton Manning. Right. Right. Let's have, I know, they all think Peyton's going to throw. Let's run him to Mm -hmm. the far pylon. Yeah. And Peyton would be sort of slowly doing his Peyton duck waddle. Right. The linebackers look at him. Are you serious? Peyton's running here. Who wants him? Let me pick my nose and tighten my shoes, and I'm going to go nail him out. Why don't, let's Rochambeau. Who's going to (laughs) go tackle Peyton? And they run out there and do that. That's what it felt like. What? No. We, uh, We never throw slants. A slant, that is a. That's a Peyton thing. That's a Tom Brady thing. Mm-hmm. That's a guy who's... So we have beast mode in the back. <laughs> so who is everyone... What I, the only thing I want to know is yeah. who is everyone blaming in Seattle? They're blaming the coaches. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a case... Yes, coaching is a, an important part of football. But at Bill Belichick said it at halftime. And they, the interview... The interviewer asked him, coming back onto the field after halftime, so uh, give us your thoughts in the second half. And Bill Belichick said, uh, all the strat- it's not about strategy, it's not about tactic, it's not about film study. From here on out, it's a player's game. Whoever wants it more will get it. It's a player's game. A quick slant is the coaches trying to interfere, trying to make sure that they – trying to do their little coachy calculating thing Mm -hmm. about what the odds are with this and that. But at the one-yard line with 20 seconds left, championship on the line, you know what? It's a player's game. Give it to your players and see what happens. We're not a quick slant team. That's like the uh, uh, like in basketball. A lot mm-hmm. of times, it'll get to that point, and the coaches, uh, you know, a lot of times announcers right. will will address that. You know, all right, but there's 20 right. seconds left. Is he going to call timeout or just let the guys go and just you know go with their instincts? Okay, the ending of the Super Bowl this year was exactly like the ending of Hoosiers with the movie mm-hmm. with a different outcome. Remember the ending of Hoosiers? Uh, there's that Jimmy Chetwick guy who's their ace. Have you remember who? It's been that so long. Okay. I remember the grand. You know, there shots. was one guy who made all the shots mm-hmm. who could not miss, right? Yep. And they're in the championship game, and the coach says, "There's ten seconds left," and the coach says, "Little huddle on the side." Okay, everybody thinks that Jimmy Chetwick's going to take the shot because he's their Michael Jordan. He's their star. Yeah, we're going to use him as a decoy. So and so, you take the shot, and the whole team stands up and goes. Oh, no, this, what a terrible idea. (laughs) Of course, Jimmy Chetwick should take the shot. He's the ace. And it was, the call came in, and it would have been great if Russell Wilson and and Marshawn Lynch and even Lockett had stood up with the look on their face. What? (laughs) Me? Don't throw it to me. (laughs) Even I think that's a bad (laughs) idea, not me. (laughs) So, uh, but they didn't. And... uh, uh, I guess who's to blame? Uh, ultimately, it's Russell Wilson. He he threw an interception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, and he would probably admit that. Yeah, the guy looked open, but I'm a third year and I got played. Yeah. Well, that, that that'll that'll be the end of our conversation about that. I just uh, yeah yeah yeah. I I didn't want to rub it in or anything, no, but it, I wanted I did want to get so you know you're as a as an actual fan, not just somebody who's following the uh, the team that kicks the, butt the, all season. The frustrating thing about it was the uh, it it wasn't losing; it was losing in a way that is counter to your identity, mm-hmm. right? It was losing that way. What? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, li- I 
you should listen. You should go back and listen the last time you were on this yeah. podcast because the things that you were saying about you know, well, we just won, and it's just this team's just they're on the way up. They're getting stronger. Right. The uh, it's. It's pretty interesting. And you were right about just about all of it, what you were saying, yeah. except for an, another uh, Super Bowl win. And, of course, Percy Harvin no longer on the team. Yeah. Well, that was a good thing, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think but so, they, too. Uh, it came out later that the Legion of Boom actually had torn ligaments and separatists. <laughs> <laughs> they were... Yeah. Yeah. They, well, in my right. in my guy Peyton Manning, uh his season ended poorly because he was injured as well. That's what I'm going with. He did. Mm-hmm. They should have pulled him. Mm-hmm. Any other quarterback, he couldn't throw 5 yards. No. He didn't look like who he yeah, is. Yeah, they needed it to get him out of there and unfortunately they left him in because of his name. How are you? We talked about this last time and I want an update the uh the greeting cards. Oh, they're good. We have a we have a new line of notebooks. They're things that comedians would use. A little uh, looks like a four by six inch size notebook, and there's a joke on the front written by a comic, and then on on the inside of the back cover is their their bio, a little story about where the joke comes from. This one says, "I think this is by Milt Abel, who's a comic originally out of San Francisco, uh, now in Oregon." It says, uh, "Lowering my expect." It's, so the cover of the notebook is very simple. It's a little thought bubble that says, lowering my expectations has succeeded beyond my wildest dreams. <laughs> so it's a little quip like that. Yeah. Something you can have in meetings and so on. Uh, so, um, yeah. So the inside of that is just, it's just blank. You can fill her up yeah, with your own just thoughts. A, just a blank notebook. A little funny things on the front. But the cards are doing okay. We're up for uh, uh FedEx Kinko's is looking at putting the cards in their stores, and they have about 2,000 stores. So if we get that contract, it'll be a big, a big change. Wow. Yeah. Is the, uh, is the library of your, you know, like, the diff- is it growing? Yeah, we have about 100 cards published. I don't write them all. I, I, right. I ask comedians to toss ideas my way. Um, we have 12 new ones coming out, which I... It's it's a blind competition, so I take all the jokes that are written, and we have a selection committee, and even mine are in there, but no one knows who wrote what. So it's truly by you you, you get chosen. Yeah, except on you're merit. picking them. Well, <laughs> I am, but I don't get final say. The publisher <laughs> does, but uh, so I have a new one coming out. So I actually got one in again. Okay, good. Congrats. It's, it's a little uh, friendship card. It just says, uh, uh, what did it say? Uh, people who have never had a drink before noon, and then on the inside, probably procrastinate in other areas of their life, too. <laughs> so the, these, this kind of card is ideal for selling at world markets and cost plus and anywhere that you have a nice big wine wall and they have cards and wine glasses and all those select wine selections. Yeah. And so people are looking for a little wine gift. Uh-huh. Sell like crazy. You have a, a card about wine. Perfect. Yep, that's right. Perfect. What the, and what's the line called again? Frank and funny. Frank and yeah. funny. And there's that web, that stuff's all on your website. Yeah, Links it's, all that. it's one of these things where it's such a so separate from my stand up career that uh, there's very little crossover. I mean, the whole stationary boutique industry is about as uh, as far removed from stand up comedy club as you can get. It's full of librarians and and. Young mothers and yeah, uh, yeah. That's not you. <laughs> well, yeah. It's so so we are we're treading on new territory there. Uh, so there's not a lot of crossover yeah. between the. Two. You're learning, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it. Yeah. How was the? Uh, uh, how about any? You helped Bent Washburn ah. make his DVD here. I did film, uh, and then that's out now. Yeah, it's finished, and Ben's been doing his thing. I'm trying to uh, uh, get it sold or licensed for broadcast. Uh, it's certainly good enough, too, but it's a matter of trying to find the right person to pitch it. Uh, but it looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did a seven-camera shoot at the club. And uh, have you seen it? I've seen part of it, yeah. Yeah, have you seen the finish, though? I mean, I don't know what part you saw. Because we, that have been? we had a lot of uh, technical stuff that we improved in post Hmm. I don't remember when I saw it. So, but it looked fantastic. Are you do, anything else you're doing with that? Like not that one specifically, but recording or? Well, right now, okay. Uh, I've got a lot of stuff that's sort of in shop. Um, I'm, I'm editing. I, I'm working with a filmmaker. We're editing a documentary 
that is about my experience recording a CD here while my daughter's mom was at Mayo Clinic uh, getting open heart surgery. I remember us yeah. talking about that. Now so this, is that still... That's still happening. The reason it got shelved for so long is because the Bent Washburn Project, which came up just after that, ended up taking so much time that uh, this thing got tabled, and uh, unfortunately, because it, it really needed... But now it's getting done. I'm working with the filmmaker in Seattle, and we're putting the whole thing together. So hopefully it'll be done by the spring. Oh, okay. Yeah. And well, what, what that means, I, I don't know. But there's <laughs> going to be a new CD out a companion CD, and then a, a documentary. Whether it's a 20-minute documentary or an hour, we're not really sure how much we can get out of this thing and oh, okay. really what footage is going to be usable, what the story truly is. It, it's sort of you, you make the long version and then whittle it down until it seems right. And the, and the stand-up material was recorded yeah, then it, as well? Yeah, but we didn't shoot it as a DVD. What We shot the show as a as you would a news crew shooting a guy recording a CD. So the video version of it is not meant for release. It's, you know, there's no proper lighting. It's it's more of a of a news camera style of, yeah, here's a guy recording a CD at Acme. Yeah. Not, this is the DVD, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then we, a bunch of other stuff happened that week. It was crazy. So I, I'm looking, it, it needs to get done because I need to move on from that. But that's, that's out there. That working title is, tell me what you like better. Two working titles. Okay. Open Heart, which, because of the open heart surgery. Yeah. Or Stitches. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, which one do I, I stitches? I think I think yeah. I like stitches better. Yeah, yeah. And should the DVD or the documentary have a different title than the CD? Because idea the idea was that the CD was being recorded on its own, and then this documentary is just the story of what was going on while that's happening. I don't know. Could you give them names that kind of fit together? I suppose you could. Yeah. Open heart and stitches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm? Actually, no. I changed the name of the CD. I can't believe I forgot this. Oh, uh oh. And this is okay. The name <laughs> of the CD is solely because it makes a good T-shirt, and it, it, it's related to a joke in the CD, and it it's kind of related to my the whole story of the CD. It's uh, biographical. Uh huh. So the the documentary is called Stitches. Okay. Because you said it should be. <laughs> Uh, the CD is called Bite My Yankee Doodle. <laughs> That's a little different. <laughs> because it's, it's, it's about me being the first American in the family and uh, meeting this South African woman yes, who's having that yes. stuff. And I, there's all this foreign stuff with foreign family members and all that stuff. So anyway, I, I, told, I have a joke about uh, anybody who thinks Americans are arrogant is an idiot as far as I'm concerned and they can bite my Yankee Doodle and this guy comes up to me after a show and says older guy hey do you have that bite my Yankee Doodle on a t-shirt I'd buy it if you did and I thought of course that's that's the t-shirt yeah so I thought you know what why why fight it I'm just gonna make the CD is bite my I have all the rights copyrighted I have the oh, really? website bite my Yankee Doodle I mean it's all there I've there got it, it all it's all set for release perfect Perfect. And you know what? It, if, if, if something will sell a bunch of t-shirts after a show, then there. There goes my artistic integrity. <laughs> oh, yeah. But at least you it's... got to make a buck. At Come least on. it's a joke, right? It's, in, it's on the show. Mm -hmm. are, you, you are you selling anything at shows right now? I'm not at the moment. No. I'm sort of waiting to get this next evolution done. Okay. So I'm, the, the ostrich story. Have you seen that bit? I've got a story about riding an ostrich. It's about a 10-minute bit. I think we talked about it. Yeah, that that's it. now coming out as a children's book. What? Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, I'm working on cruise ships, and they're all grandparents on those things. Uh -huh. I, I needed something to sell. They're not going to buy a CD, really. I mean, some of them might, but most aren't. I thought, what What would grandparents... What could they some A gift. People? They would I buy thought, a gift for... Yeah. Duh! A little and I have a five-year-old, so I've been, I'm well... I'm up to my eyeballs in children's books as it is i thought i could do one of these so it's just it's a bit that is already written and i just do it in children's book form and how far along is that it's it's just being illustrated yeah check that out yeah so i'll have the i'm gonna have so much stuff to sell in about six months it's crazy a children's book yeah that's awesome 
Weird Al writes children's books now. They're so easy to write. Anybody can write a children's book. Yeah. They have another unpublished Dr. Seuss coming out. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, see. Be careful when you release. You don't want to do it in the same day as that. That might have a good pre-sell. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, they're finding... Uh, I don't know how good this stuff is. They found a bunch of stuff Led Zeppelin had never released, and that came out. But Yeah. I mean, is it good? I don't know. There's probably endless endless miles of tape in recording studios around England and the US of bands that wasn't good enough to release when they were hot but now they're going god we don't have anything else to sell uh, yeah. yeah put see a sticker on it and put it out there this. yeah pretty much how is it with the uh, 5 year old how are things going it's great you know i think i think uh i, I won't speak for everybody but <laughs> I, I think kids make you a better human I completely agree with that. You agree. You see that adulthood doesn't just drop out of God's ass. Plunk. You're done. You see something that knows nothing and is helpless sort of learn and grow and be fascinated with the world around you. You get to see the little miracles of the world, the tiny ones that you that you forget you had to learn. Yeah. And you see that, wow, this really is an amazing process of of what it took to become me because our egos take over and we just think me 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 i'm me right uh-huh. and we you see literally the world at a very intimate level through an innocent's eyes and yeah. i just i just i look at other adults now and i see the child in them that was once there mm-hmm. and someone is rude or cantankerous i just feel like you know what they're just it's just this moment it's not them that's not all of who they are they're just having a moment yeah we all deserve those right so i just i just feel like it's made me a more compassionate being and less worried about other people's rejection because you have so much white pure hot just no, white is not. It sounds racist. Just that sort. In of, your case, I, in mine, white. white hot love. You know that that sort of that sounds gross too. Just this, <laughs> just this pure, absolute love from this child, and you you that is nothing else can really harm you. No one else's rejection that you. I used to need other people's approval. This there. I mean, I'm in comedy for heaven's sake. What I'm about to say might make Derek puke in the back right. there, but I uh, I I had a. Something happened this morning uh, at work, and it ended. Uh, how, how can I safely say this here, depending on who might hear this? I had it, just something happened at work this morning, and uh, it was just between me and another person, mm-hmm. and I really felt rejected. Like, right. where the fuck does that come from? And then I started thinking about, you know what, at, at, uh, at 2.25 today, I'm picking up my kids from school, and they're going to be with me until 7 o'clock when my ex-wife picks them up, and I'm going to have them all weekend this weekend. Just, oh, thank yeah. God that I'm going to spend so much time with them in the next four days. Thank God. Oh. And it just I, it moved me right away from that. Yep. It's just, oh, that, I can't like, wait. I just can't wait. It's this it's this big salve that is just constantly drowning you in goodness. Yeah. But they're not, uh, uh, knock on wood, they're not gonna reject me i don't think <laughs> how old are they six and eight okay yeah that's that's wonderful yeah so you know we're in that sweet spot the same sweet spot together i think here i toured uh canada with a couple of comics neither they're they're both old not they one was older than me one was just a bit younger than me but neither of them had kids and uh they didn't want kids in fact one of them sort of got a little upset with me at a time that said, you think you're better than me because I don't, because you have kids or something like that. It was a little, mm. just a line he threw out there. Mm-hmm. You know, didn't really mean it, but except in that moment and whatever. But, uh, but my point is, is that I could, I could sort of tell that they didn't have kids because they were really incapable of, on, when you're traveling on a long tour, they were really incapable of sort of empathizing with anybody else. Oh, okay. Right? On mm-hmm. the, it's just you're in sort of a lot of situations when you're on a long tour where you have to wait for somebody or you have to consider somebody else or you don't want people to be waiting for you or you don't want this or that. There's just a lot of sort of, oh, let's think about each other. Mm-hmm. 
and not just ourselves. Right. And stand-up comedy, most of the time, you're two or alone, so you're only thinking about yourself. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah, yeah. I, where I want to eat here for dinner. I want that. And so when you have kids, you know that you have to spend a lot of time thinking about everybody else, uh-huh. too, right? And you yeah. have to be the negotiator and make sure, can we do something that's good for all of us? And I... Uh, it's just pure conjecture that this had anything to do with it, but traveling <laughs> with those guys versus traveling with other comics I've traveled with who have kids, it was just way more difficult mm-hmm. with them. And I, I pin it on the fact that they're single. Yeah. They wake up, they wake up in the morning and think about themselves. That's what single people do. Yeah. <laughs> what do I need? You, you're a parent. You wake up. You think, how are the kids? Are they hungry? What do they need? It's all about. The tribe, and and uh, let's see. And let's. I'll be honest and just say that every now and then you, you think like, oh, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> well, again, as a comedian, I am off, you know, on my own, being single guy. Yeah, for three days a week, if I working at a club or what mm-hmm. have you. So yeah, I, I I get that too. But you know what? People get that at work too. When they when you go to work, you, you know, your kids aren't around. You get to be. Independent man. Did they? Did the family? Did your family come with? Did when this you were? Time? Yeah, when you're on the, not here, but like when you're working on the cruises. Did you? Oh, I thought that was going to happen, but it may, it's not as easy as it sounds. Yeah. I, I thought I, I would. I I took my daughter up to Alaska with me last summer, and it was a blast. I'm not a pool person, not a hot tub person. Last cruise I was on for five days in the Caribbean. Didn't get in the hot tub once. Okay. Okay, trip up to Alaska, six hours a day in the pool. I'm with a four-year-old, for heaven's sake. That's all I want to do. <laughs> the pool! Yeah. The hot tub, the pool, the hot tub, the pool, the hot tub. Yeah. <laughs> Get my ponies, bring them in the pool, bring them in the hot tub. <laughs> right, it's just back and forth. you got the little water wings on. Oh, yeah. So, Adorable. Yeah, it, it was a blast. Yeah, really, really hope to be able to do that some more. And it's really why I want to do well at the cruise lines. Mainly, not that I have any interest in being Mr. Cruise Ship Comic, but there's no point in uh, in ruining an opportunity. You always want to at least have an opportunity. Sure. So I want to do well enough so that the door's always open. Yeah, so yeah. When my daughter gets older and I can take her with me more, or some cruise in Europe or something, boom, we can go do that. There's, It's something that uh, has come back uh, in, in my conversations with other people when they're making decisions is they'll say, I... I think I, I, th- I think I want to. Whatever I say, they're a chiropractor. I, I think I want to move to Washington D.C. and be a chiropractor there, but I'm not sure. Okay, well, are you being offered a job in Washington D.C. as a chiropractor? Maybe, maybe you should actually pursue the jobs and see if you're getting offered one. And then when someone's saying, <laughs> "Here's a job." Then you can make the decision yeah. if you really want to do that. Makes sense. As opposed to, we tend to sort of, uh, 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 we, 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 we tend to fuddle through our decision-making process before we're really choosing between options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, we're choosing, do I want to pursue that idea or not pursue the idea? That's really the level. It's not, ooh, should I do that or not? I see that. You know, I see that. That's a long, tiresome way of saying something very simple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to bring up at least one more thing here to you. Okay. And that is um, in Washington now, they they legalized uh, pot. Yeah? Yeah. Have you noticed any changes? You what, know, have you noticed thought, any differences I, going on there? I thought I would notice differences. I was picturing people sort of just high in public and... Be, you see people smoking it in the park and here and there. And you know what? Don't notice ever. Not a single never notice it. Um, so there. I, th- I thought it would change everything, and it's changed nothing. Changed nothing. Yeah. yeah. Except for the fact that uh, I guess the jails aren't full of people who committed petty crimes. Yeah. You know, the police are not having their hours taken up by processing <laughs> People who have a plant in, yeah. their, in their pocket, yeah. But no, I, I thought it would be just the opposite. And there is not. Yeah, I never even see it. Every now and then, okay. <laughs> this might be more likely to happen if Minnesota is it legal here? 
Uh, no, it's going to be med- medicinal soon. It'll be access, but it will not even be. They won't even give it to people uh, in a smokable form or right. even edible. It'll be like an oil or some thing. Yeah. It's very, very, very uh, restricted right. uh, medicinal use as well. It'll be here in Minnesota. So, so I'm in Washington working at a comedy club, and uh, it's at, late show Saturday is over, so they're closing up the club, and I, I sit at the bar. I'm done. I'm finished, just having a after show drink, mm-hmm. chatting with the staff. And there's a basket of animal crackers that comes out of the kitchen, and it's put on the counter and uh, in the bar in front of me. And uh, I like animal crackers. I mean, I don't buy them for myself, but I like them. And I touch one, and it's warm. And uh, and I thought, oh, my God, what a great idea. You take this sort of ratty old snack food, you toast it up in the oven. Yummy. <laughs> and so I grab a handful of these animal crackers. No. And I'm eating these animal crackers, no. right? And I'm just munching away and talking. And then the cook comes out, and he sees me with a popcorn-sized handful of animal crackers. And he sees me popping in, and he goes, uh, be careful with those. No. I said, oh, are they for somebody else? He says, oh, no, we soak those in pot butter. <laughs> Wait, say what? Do you, what? Say that again? Yeah, well, no, those are lace. Those have pot in them. Those you'll get high. Yeah, too many, and they're strong. Well, I'd eat probably I don't know a dozen, fifteen, and I went no, I don't smoke. I don't smoke pot. Uh huh. No, I don't know anything about pot. In fact, but I said I gotta go because I had to drive home, and I thought I could get home before it kicked in. So. I don't know if that's true or not, but I, that's what I thought. So uh-huh. I got in yeah, my yeah. truck and started driving home. And uh, and I, I could see, as I approached my house, I could see the, the my field of vision kind of start to narrow. It's not so much that your vision narrows, but your focus seems to narrow. You're uh-huh. seeing the world through a keyhole or through a, uh, through a peephole in a door. And I get into my house, and I lay down, and the world just starts spinning around. Literally, I had this horrible spins. It was yeah. awful. It's awful. But I think pot smokers are so delighted that there's this new freedom around their hobby yeah. that they're, they're actually very considerate. They're not pushing it in your face like... And the NRA tends to do, yeah. Right? Like you have to, you have to take this. It's all right, that kind of stuff. It's more like, oh, this is. I'm so cool. This is legal now. They're not. They're, we don't well, want to mess this up. <laughs> aggressive isn't something that goes with. That's true. Pot. That's true. Really? But you just don't see it around. I thought it would be ever. I, I have been offered uh, edibles once or twice in a in a green room. Yeah, but that's about it. I don't. I don't know. It's not for me. <laughs> I can't believe you were munching the. I, that's it, just na- I'm naive. I just, oh, of course. After the show at a bar, you want warm animal crackers. Who wouldn't want those? It, was the taste any different at all? It was Did delicious because you- it was butter, right? I thought, I think he put, when he put them down, he said they're soaked in butter or something like that. Yeah. And I thought, and I'm picturing a, a big pot of melted sure, butter in the but, back. You just whisk them in there, bake them in the oven, and it just perks them up, right? right? Like ev- fresh biscuits. Everyone there, though, when they just the word butter means something completely different to them. To you, you just you know heard, what that was it probably. Yeah, you just heard you know uh, butter. Yeah, butter, hundred percent pure <laughs> butter. Not I made yeah. some butter and I cooked them in the butter. Wink, wink. You know because I. I've, a great way to refresh pasta at home is, uh, or even take jarred pasta sauce. The the ragu or the ragu is bad; it's too sweet. But uh, but Newman's own pasta sauce. Mm-hmm. If you want to make it taste like you slaved all day over a hot stove making delicious pasta sauce, add fresh olive oil and a little red wine, and mix that in there, and it just because. Jarred tomato sauce has to be pasteurized, so they sit there, they 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 cook it, and then they put it in the jar, and then they boil the hell out of it to kill all the, anything alive in there. Yeah, and so so when you get it, it's got kind of that flat taste. Mm-hmm. Well, olive oil is alive; it's fresh squeezed, it's not pasteurized, and red wine, yeah, that's yeah. alive too in yeah. a different way. So you mix those in, and it just brings the sauce to life, and it feels like, oh my god, this is this guy just made this. Well, that's what I was thinking. 
the butter would do for the animal crackers. Of course, you take something that's sort of been sitting on the shelf forever, yeah. you soak it in little melted butter, toast it, <laughs> boom! It's like I just made these cookies. I'm having two handfuls. <laughs> so you've learned your lesson. Now, do you ask now when someone yeah, play, puts well, the bowl of yeah. anything Anytime in front of you? Anytime there's some late night treat that comes out and is just, anybody want some? I go, okay, what? There's got to be an ulterior. Right, right. <laughs> well, it's nice they didn't charge you for it either. Yeah, well, I guess I don't know if... I don't know how that works. They didn't say, okay, everybody throws in five bu- five bucks for eating cookies all night. Yeah, no one brought that up. I, I don't know if that happens. I'm just, yeah. I, I'm speculating. Yeah. I, we don't have... Uh, there's, I have never seen animal but crackers. But I, uh, I will keep that in mind, though. When someone puts something down and mentions a non descript ingredient maybe there's right something that's not being said to you <laughs> i dipped them in oil right now i gotta worry about oil what's going right. on here <laughs> right. is, is there anything else we should be mentioning before before we say goodbye today anything else going on in your you want to let people know about i don't know if you were were you on twitter last time did you just I recently tweet. sign I, up? I have my Twitter and my Facebook account. I tend to just go to Facebook and then it tweets from there. Okay. Is that normal? I do it the other way around. Oh. Yeah. For the most part. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a, I don't think in terms of tweets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I, it just, it's, it's not a medium that I, I feel works for me for whatever reason. How about Instagram? You, all these traveling you're doing, you should be posting pictures on Instagram. I should. I, I, okay. Huh? Here's the problem, and I'm really struggling with this, and maybe, maybe this is a whole other broadcast, or maybe you should teach a class. Because <laughs> you work in the media. Uh-huh. Yeah, for how many years? Uh, since 98, 9. So wow. 15, 16 years. Here's the problem I'm, I'm, I realize. Is I'm a little bit of a hermit, and I, 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 value, I like my privacy. And so I don't really feel like sharing the details of my life. I don't know why that is, but I I like doing shows and I like having this sort of public persona, but I'm not I don't I like to hide. Uh and no. So how do you make those two things work? I will say that I, I, I guess I haven't I'm similar, actually, more than you're probably mm-hmm. thinking. And I sometimes it might depend on the mood I'm in, honestly. Right. You know, where I'm, if I'm in a really good mood, I'm going to share a lot more. But if I'm not, right. then I, yeah, then I'm, it's, it's private. Everything's private. For example, on Inst- on my Instagram, I, I came, I was like, I'm going to, I doodle every morning during the morning show. Just something I owe. Yeah. I, I doodle. I've been doing it for a decade. I mean, I doodle every morning. And uh, occasionally, and I started posting at the end of the morning show, I took a picture of my doodles and put it up on it on Instagram. Instagram, I was in a good mood that day. But isn't Instagram the same as Facebook? But, you know, pretty. It's just mostly just pictures. You know, oh, okay. yeah, it's so pictures, it's and then just looking at pictures. Yes, absolutely. And uh, and that's I, what I, that's how I tend to think. I tend to think in pictures. I don't really just post thoughts on Facebook. I'll have a picture and a thought. Okay, well then Instagram could be perfect for you. Okay, and I'm re- I'm really new at it. But this is just my example. Is uh, So then that day when I started that, I was like, oh, I'm in a good mood. I'm going to share this thing. Well, then that was on a Friday. Monday came around, and I was in a Monday mood. And I was like, eh, no, I, people don't want to see these, and I don't want to share. And it, so, I, Right, okay, that yeah. Monday mood thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just three days prior, this was going to be my new thing, and I was going to put these on and, and share them for maybe the one person that's going to think they're neat. And uh well, here's what and then I'm, everything changed within three days. I just, nah, right. I don't want to do this. Yeah. Well, that's good. I, I, yeah, I have a whole theory about that's why I don't get tattoos because I tend to change my mind three days later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, here's what I'm more likely to do. And, uh, and when, I'm go- when I go home, uh, it's a little side. I have these little side. Pro- I like doing characters. I, maybe I don't like broadcasting my own personal, well, here's what I ate, here's where I am today. But, but I like doing little character vignettes. And uh, so I've got a new one that I am recording when I get home because I'm home now for two months. Okay, March and April, and uh, and it's called Captain Blah. Sort of a, it's sort of a play on Captain Bly. Sure. And uh, and a blog. Okay. So it's Captain Blah B L A H. Uh-huh. And uh, and again, I've been prepping for this, so I've got the domains and all that junk. But uh, it's little ninety second 
I, I grew up on the water. I had a sailboat, fish, fisherman in Alaska. I've done tours as an expedition leader in Alaska and down in Mexico. So I've, I've been on the water my whole life. I'm quite comfortable jumping in a boat by myself and going sailing. Okay. And my parents live on the water up on an island. So it's just a character that is in a shitty little dinghy, and he's doing selfie uh, captain's log entries every day. And it always starts out the same. It's, uh, this is uh, Captain Blah in the uncharted waters off the coast of somewhere. And then it's, he's, he treats the world as if it needs to be fought, yet he's in absolutely no danger at all. Right? <laughs> and he's got this, uh, this goofy little children's life jacket on that's really the only prop, one of those orange yeah, yeah. life jackets that's got the thing behind your head. Uh-huh. I can picture Square. it. Yeah. You, you see kids in ski boats all the time because mm-hmm. they cost $4. Yes. Okay, wear this. We're going to use it once a year. Wear mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. And so there's Captain... And, and I have had so much fun writing little Captain Blah entries. So I, I want to do just one a week. And he's always just off the coast of somewhere. And then something... Just some little bit about the sea or about relationships or about life. and about. But it's always... He's, he's the ineffectual tough guy. And, uh, and I find them hilarious. Okay. So I, I'm... I'm more the person who I'll put some effort into those, record 50 of them, post one every week. That's what I'm, I'm not that comfortable with posting what I had for lunch and yeah. all that kind of junk. So we'll I see. think I like that idea, and I think you should look into Instagram. If you think in pictures and stuff like does that. Does Captain Blah, does Instagram do videos too? or Yes. Okay. Yes. But don't you post this stuff on everything? Once, if you're going to post it, is it Instagram? You don't Facebook? have to. But should you? Is it? To try to reach the most people? Yes. Or? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love those kind of ideas tickle me, right? Do you have an ending for that? Captain Blah? Yeah. You mean a button at the end? Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't really... An, a button at the end doesn't seem to fit. Everything ends, it just sort of peters... It doesn't. I don't want to say it peters out, but there's definitely a sort of a... If there's an ending, it's a flared nostril inhale. <laughs> right? It's that moment of pause. Because he's right. Okay. Damn it. He's always right. Just don't make the ending a pass on the one-yard line. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to end everyone in an ineffectual slant. <laughs> well, I, uh, I hope when you're here uh, a year from now, because just, I'm just going to assume that it's going to be another year. I hope so. That and seems to be the pattern. Actually... Uh, of all the years that I expect to come back to Acme, I expect this next year to be the one. Yeah? Because this documentary is going to come out, and the CD is going to come out, and it's and, uh, and I hope it'll get a little bit of traction. Yeah. But, yeah, there you go. That's a lot to look forward to. I hope so. I, I better bust my ass and get it done. All right. Well, you have a year. I do. You have one year or less. I do. (laughs) David, thank you. Thank you. It's been a blast once again. Appreciate it. Awesome.